If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 18 this morning. Luke chapter 18 and, and verse 1. Um, as we look at the scripture today, is this is our last installment of our series, Acts of Faith. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. And it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Everyone say always. Always. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what other people think yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's a powerful question. You know, really, has anybody out there have somebody in your life who just bothers you? Come on, just if you're just on it today, that somebody, thank you for that honesty there, anybody who just bothers you, someone who just annoys you, perturbs you, troubles you, causes you anxiety in your life? Okay, yes, okay. Anybody got that person right next to them right now? All right, yes, okay, so I saw some fingers pointing, all right, thank you. Or maybe you've been in sports. You've ever had somebody just taunt you while you're playing a sport with them? I mean, just taunt you. You know they're not just satisfied in winning. They just want to rub the win in, you know? It was 10 years ago, and they're still rubbing the win in. You know, you hate that, right? I mean, how many of you, how many of you are competitive in this room? Come on, how many? I'm in competitive. I'm just competitive. We, we have a good amount of competitive people here, and that just comes out of you. I'm a competitive person. So if, if I'm going to play, I'm going to leave it on the field, or I'm going to leave it on the court, right? So you just don't want a ribbon or a participation ribbon. Isn't that so cute? No, you want to win the competition. How many of you are with me today? Yeah, you're not just, you know, ribbon, I showed up. You know, you want, you want the trophy. I, we won this thing. You know, we, we did this. So the craziest reactions come out of us when we are highly competitive, don't they? Don't they? Crazy reactions. You would think as you matured that you've graduated from, you know, saying what you do say, but you still say it. I mean, how about, are there any sore losers here? Any sore losers? Yeah, you know, you don't like to lose, you know. See, I want to talk to you today. See, many times if you get bothered, then you tend to react. And I believe that sometimes change doesn't happen until we get bothered. Until we get bothered enough, like you won't change anything until it bothers you enough. You can talk about it, you can pray about it, we can preach about it, you can do a lot of things, but, but if you keep tolerating it, it's, it's not going to change. It, it's, it's not until you get irritated and annoyed and that you say, hey, this is enough, and I'm not going to let this go on in my life one more moment. It's not going to happen one more moment. I'm, I, I'm not going on one more moment here. This is what I have to do. And, and because I'm bothered, I'm going to change something. Some of you need to get bothered. 
Are you listening to me? Some of you need to get bothered in your life. See, if you go through Scripture, it wasn't until Pharaoh got bothered by 10 plagues that he finally made a change in letting the Israelites go, right? Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are preaching, and everywhere they go, there's this demon-possessed girl, and she follows them around, and she's causing distraction day after day. She is shouting when Paul's trying to preach. Remember the story? And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that Paul gets bothered. Paul gets annoyed, and he's like, hey, hey, you're messing up what I'm saying here. You're messing up. I'm preaching the word of the Lord, and you're getting in the middle of this. And so he said, demon, come out. And in one moment, something changed. Why? Because the apostle Paul got bothered. The apostle Paul got annoyed with what was taking place at that moment. Also, this girl was a distraction taking away from the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you look around our city and you look around our state and our nation, I hope some of the things that we are seeing is bothering you. Because until you get bothered by it, you won't be inspired to change it. I think injustice in our city should bother this church. I think racism in our city should still bother us. I think suicide should bother you. Poverty should bother you. Sex trafficking should bother and annoy you. I think homelessness should bother you. Why? Because until we get bothered, we're not going to do anything about it or be willing to even change. You know, motivation comes from all sorts of things in our life. Vision will create motivation. You know, you have a vision for your life. We have a vision for this church. You have a vision for your family or or your days ahead. Vision will create and help create motivation, but also frustration will create motivation. Either you change because you see a brighter future or you change because you're sick and tired of the status quo continuing to happen day after day. And you've got to learn, and this is what we're going to look at today, you've got to learn to bother God. Until we do, we're never going to experience the change that we could be experiencing through Jesus. But when we do change, we get the God results, omnipotent outcomes that are in store waiting for you and for me. You have to bother God enough that he reacts. God is doing something today in your life, whether we taste it, feel it, or think we can touch it, that I believe God is up to something, and we have to know this, that you and I can't start the miracle, we can't create the miracle, all we can do is steward the miracles that God brings into our life. We don't create them, we don't start them, God does it, but we need to steward the miracles that God is bringing along our pathway and in our life right now. Some of you today in this room may be in pain for all sorts of different reasons. There may be emotional pain. There may be physical pain. Maybe your marriage is going through a lot of pain and discomfort and difficulty. Maybe you're sick in your body and you're waiting on God for a miracle. It's in this season you need to learn how to bother God. You need to learn how to bother God where you're at. See, what happens to us many times when, when we, we don't see change or it doesn't come in our timetable, many times what we do is we back away, don't we? We back away. Many times we turn and run and we move on. We think, oh, no, I'm going to get away from this. I don't want to be a part of this any longer. We back away. We shrink back. Many times when we don't get the results that we think we should be getting, we start convincing ourselves that maybe God has other plans or maybe God doesn't want this thing for me. You may be waiting on God. In actuality, you're not asking God for anything. Even though you're waiting on God, I want you to know today that you can still approach God and you can still bother him. What I want you to think about is this. 
What you think is bothering God in actuality is blessing God. That, I want you to get that into your heart and into your spirit. What you think is bothering God in actuality is blessing God today. So I will show you because I want you to understand this. God wants to be bothered. Did you know that? God wants to be bothered. And I want you to see this because this is Jesus. This is his sermon that he's preaching to us. This is the principle he's teaching. And he wants to make it very clear in Luke chapter 18. He's saying, I want to teach you to pray always and to never, ever give up. Ever. Wow, it's a long time. I want you to pray and I don't, I don't want you to ever give up. That's, that's really the overall writing theme of what he is saying right here inside of Luke chapter 18, because that's what he says. And here's what you're going to find in the faith journey. What will happen is there will come these moments on the Christian walk where you will come to these crossroads. And many of you have been at them, and maybe you're at them today, when you've been praying, you've been believing, you've been confessing, you've been declaring, you're hoping, but there hasn't been any change. And it's at these crossroads many times that we ask, when do I stick and when do I quit? I mean, when do I stick with this thing and stay in the game? Or when do I quit and walk away? When do I throw in the towel? Most of us have had that question many times. The good news today is if you're wondering, I don't know if I should keep dreaming. I don't know if I should keep praying. That's because it's been so long. Just maybe I'm bothering God and God is busy doing something else. And if you ever found yourself there or, or you're right there now, this is Jesus' sermon for you today right here. Jesus wants you to move towards him with acts of faith so that he can show up for you. Here's Jesus, classic Jesus in this parable. Jesus takes complex questions and gives us simple parables in our life. He tells us the story. He tells the story. Here's a widow who's in need of justice in her life. The only problem is the only one that can grant her request is the unjust judge in this story. We don't know a lot about these characters, but we know a few things. We know the judge. We know that he doesn't fear God because it says that. And we know that he doesn't have any compassion or care towards humanity because it says that. That's called double trouble. How many of you know that? Double trouble. He doesn't fear or acknowledge God. Here is a man who has authority but has no accountability. He represents evil. He represents wickedness. And then on the other side, here we have this widow, this woman. And you need to know in the Middle Eastern culture some 2,000 years ago, uh, being a woman meant that you were a second-class citizen. That's what history shows us, as wrong as that is. But if you want to see the trouble in this, you've got to see this widow because she, you understand the only influence or affluence you could have as a woman is one that's connected to your husband, the one that you have. So this woman, her husband has died, and now she's got double trouble because any inheritance she would have had been transferred to his brother or her oldest son. Meaning this woman is in the mercy of her brother-in-law or her son. In, in, in the time period, there, there would be judges that would handle civil disputes. Society is what happens overlooking culture, doesn't care about who this woman is. And she has a need and she has a request. And she brings it to a man who is evil. And the Bible says she keeps showing up. And every time she shows up, this guy refuses to grant her mercy. 
She keeps acting in faith even though she gets rejected. Notice what the text says. Finally, after she continues and continues, she shows up with acts of faith and again and again. The Bible says that the man doesn't have compassion for her. He doesn't have mercy for her. No, the Bible says because this unjust judge is so bothered by the woman, she has so irritated him that he finally reacts and says, fine, take your justice. She bothered her way to a blessing. That I'm going to bother you to bless me. I'm going to irritate you until you react. And this is just one simple parable. Because if you go back um, even seven chapters to Luke 11. If you'll turn back with me, seven chapters, Luke 11. Here is Jesus telling the same story but with different characters. So you know this is important because he's talking about it twice. And so Luke 11, he tells the same story about two different characters, and he talks about two friends. One friend is on the inside of the house, and he goes to bed at night with his children, and all of a sudden there's a guy on the outside of the house. And the friend on the outside of the house comes to the door, knocks on the door and says, hey, friend, wake up. I know it's midnight, but I need some bread. And the friend on the inside is like, no, 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 it's too late. I'm asleep My kids are in bed. Come back tomorrow. And the friend on the outside keeps knocking. No, 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 no. No, I want bread. Now, my my kids are in bed. Leave us alone. We're asleep. It's the middle of the night. Leave me alone. You're annoying me. And the friend on the outside keeps knocking. And he says, okay, I'm going to keep knocking until you get up. And watch what Scripture says. It says the man on the inside, he gets up not because he's a good friend, He gets up and brings the man bread because the man on the outside is persistent or your version may say shameless audacity. Wow, I love that. Shameless audacity. Shameless audacity. Anybody of you know somebody that has shameless audacity? They are just persistent, 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 and they do not stop. That's what he's talking about right here in this parable. There's shameless audacity. The man gets up out of bed because of his persistence. And you see inside of Luke 18, the judge gets bothered by this widow. And Jesus tells a parable, and every time he tells a parable in Scripture, we should all do this. There's a couple of things when you come to the stories that Jesus tells all throughout the Word of God, there's a couple of things that we should do. Okay, I know Jesus is telling the parable, and I know that I am somebody in this story. You should do that on every parable that you come to. You should ask the questions that come about like this. Okay, Jesus, you're telling the parable, but who is in this story? Well, I think and I say, wait a minute, well, who am I in this story? Who am I in this story? Well, well, you know what? I think I'm the widow. That's me. I'm seeking justice here. Help me out. I'm the dude in Luke 11 that wants bread. Give me bread. Who's God in this story? Well, if you look at this, Jesus, are you saying like God is the unjust judge? Are you saying like God is the cranky old friend on the inside of the house? Jesus is like, yeah, that's exactly who God is. Before you get freaked out, though, like God's not unjust and God's not the cranky old friend on the inside. You're absolutely right. Because Jesus is telling a story that he brings in dramatic effect. There's a dramatic effect that happens in every parable, in every story. He's telling the story because he wants to create a contrast. 
in parables that are contrasts that are being told to help us understand so that we will dig into the text and we will find out what it says to us. I want to just encourage you today, when you're reading God's word, put yourself in the text and ask the questions to bring out the gold that is in scripture. Amen? How many of you are with me, second service? So that it's not just scripture that is there, but the Holy Spirit gives us living words and lifts that word off of the page into our heart. Where am I in the midst of the story? Right? Because you and I are in the story. We are in there. Well, well, if you look at this, well, Jesus is creating a contrast. He's trying to show you a major, major contrast, and he's trying to build your faith all at the same time. What is he saying? He's saying this, Jesus, if this unjust judge will get up because he's bothered by this widow, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is full of mercy, full of grace, full of faith for your life, how much more will he come to your aid when you come to him with a request on your heart? Amen? Amen. That's what he's saying. How much more? Amen? Man, that's powerful. Man, when you look at it, God is always into the how much more over humanity. That's for sure. That's what he's saying here. How much more? Where your heavenly father who loves you relentlessly come to your aid. He's saying here you have this unjust judge. He's bothered, but he gets up. You know, Jesus isn't some friend on the inside. No, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the God who walks with us. He is the God that does not sleep or does not slumber Whenever you come to him, he has an answer for you. So those of you that are going to take an afternoon nap after you eat the leftover turkey again and you take a nap while you are sleeping, while you are taking a nap, God does not sleep nor does he slumber. Tonight when you lay your head down tonight to go to bed, God does not sleep. God does not slumber. How many of you know that that's a great thing that we can be thankful for in Jesus' name? He does not sleep. He does not slumber. He is always aware. He is always doing good. He is always watching over us. He is always faithful. So Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And you think of all the words that Jesus could have chosen. He chose his bother. What? I mean, we come to the word bother and we think negative connotations. I think Jesus uses the word bother here on purpose. He's not suggesting to you and I that we, when we come to him with our request that we are bothering God. Listen, you got to understand, in fact, you can't bother God. How many of you knew that today? You and I can't bother God. You can't. And many times in our walk with God, we think we bother him. Why? Well, because we back off and we stop asking. We think, well, I'm bothering him. I ask him so much. You know, no, no, no. He's saying the opposite is, is true. He wants to give us a practical handle inside of this, a word that will make sense with the feeling that you have. He says, I want you to be persistent. I want you to keep going. Okay, well, how persistent should I be? You should be persistent to the point that you feel like you're bothering me. That's what this is about. You should be persistent to that point that you feel like you're bothering God. That's persistence over and over again. I've, I've come in here, and you've maybe come in here today and say, well, John, should I keep believing? It, it's been like eight, nine years now that I've been 
bothering God about something, a request. And uh, I, I'm not really sure whether I should keep believing. Should I keep declaring something this? I've been declaring it for over a decade. Should I keep praying about it? So listen, in, in the words of the great theologian Steve Perry of the band Journey, don't stop believing, okay? <laughs> All right, he's not a theologian, but you get it. The way to bother God is persistence. God is honored by your persistence because why? You and I keep coming to him because this thing's all about a relationship anyways, right? That we keep coming to him and God is honored by it and God is blessed by you persistently coming to him in prayer and asking him. You see, I want you to understand this. If being trustworthy starts your miracle and if worry wrecks your miracle, you can bank on it. Persistence produces your miracle. Are there any persistent people that are here today? I mean, there are just, are there any persistent, yes, persistent people that you keep knocking, you keep getting up, you keep praying again, you keep reading the word, you keep staying devoted. Listen, if you don't care to ask God constantly, why do you expect God to respond faithfully, right? I love that story of Jacob in the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was the grandson of Abraham. He was the son of Isaac. But Jacob, he was a liar. We know this in Scripture. He says he stole his blessing. He did a lot of bad things. Yet somehow in all of this, God's mercy and grace was on his life. It was there. As you look at this, it's amazing. There's a story of Jacob as he falls asleep. He wakes up in the middle of the night, and there he begins to wrestle with the angel of the Lord, the Bible says. It's funny because the angel of the Lord inside of this, it, 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 he's like, let me go, Jacob. I mean, this to me, I just, I picture this in my mind. You ever picture scripture in your mind? Here's Jacob wrestling with an angel of God, an angel of God. He's, and the angel of God's going like, Jacob. Let me go. I mean, it just sounds funny. I'm looking at this in my mind and thinking, this is crazy. Let me go. And Jacob's like, I am not going to let you go until you bless me, until you do something in this moment. I want to be blessed, and I'm going to hang on until I get the blessing. Now, that's persistence. That's persistence and staying in there, wrestling, wrestling. I'm not quitting. I'm not leaving until I get the blessing. So, Listen, you and I can't control the outcome, but we can control our persistence. I believe that in our lives, our persistence is going to produce miracles in our life, right? So there are two things that persistent people know, and we need to know as a church if we're going to act in faith. Okay, you ready for them? Wow, great. Are you ready for these points? Okay, just making sure you're a little quiet today. I understand, I understand. Still in holiday mode, right? The first thing persistent people know is that their gain is in their again. Your gain is in your again. Can you say that with me? Your gain is in your again. How many of you have great excuses for not exercising? Uh, yes, I mean, yes, you have great excuses. They sound amazing. They're noble. I've done them too about every single day. Like, you know, you get ready to exercise. Oh, not today. It's just, you know, it's not my day. I mean, I just can't do it. I get ready. I'm not called to do this, right? I mean, you come up with, you know, there's a new excuse every, I don't want to walk. I mean, come on, really? Then you start exercise. And then after two weeks, it comes along and you're like, wow, I'm not seeing any gains, in exercising, I'm not seeing any gains in what's taking place. Like, I don't see improvements. Like, I don't see progress. Like, why don't I have a six-pack by now? I started two weeks ago. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, 
You start negotiating. Like, like I've been at church for two months and I, and, and I want some more gains. I'm still struggling with that temptation. I'm still bothered by that bad attitude and all of those things. And how many of you know that there's levels to this thing, man? You know, if you told a trainer, I just want good gains, he or she, they would say, you know, well, you need to come and do it again. Show up again tomorrow and we're going to do this again. Well, I want gains. Well, you're going to come back again. When You've got to come back again. And you need to come back again and again and again. And God, I want to hear from you. God says, well, come and have a devotion life with me and come into your prayer closet again. God, I want fresh revelation from you. Open up your Bible again. God, I, I want to step into your presence. Worship God again. Ask again. Believe again. Trust again. Say sorry again. Believe again. Your gain is in your again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. We're saying, God, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. We need, we, we need to be a church that does the small stuff again and again and again and again. And before you know it, we're going to gain. Have you ever wondered what your reputation is like to God? I mean, should we just pray and say amen and quit this service right now after that question? Wow. You ever wonder what your reputation, what it comes from? Well, Luke at chapter 18, she keeps bothering this judge. Notice what the judge says. I am going to grant her mercy and justice because she keeps bothering me, but also because I don't want her to attack me. How many of you caught that when you go, I mean, whoa. I mean, no, no, really. How many of you caught that today? You're like, whoa, because I don't want her to attack me? This is amazing. Who is this woman? What was her reputation? I mean, he wouldn't have said this off the cuff. He says, no, 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 no. I need to do this because I don't want her to attack me. Why did this judge think that this woman might attack him? Something tells me this woman had a reputation. I am going to get justice or I'm going to cut you. <laughs> right? I mean, there's a reputation here that's going on, that's happening. I mean, come on. He just didn't pull this out of the hat. And, you know, it's just like, no, no, no. I've seen this woman before, and I'm going to grant her her request because if not, I am in big trouble, right? I'm going to grant it. See, what we have to realize is repetition creates reputation. Repetition creates reputation. If you don't like your reputation, just check your repetition. Right? That what you repeat in your life will be the thing that you become known for in your life. There's some things in your life, though, that I want you to get this, that are not worth repeating. There are things in your life today you need to realize, don't keep repeating it. Well, what are the things that not repeat? Well, the things that are no longer life-giving but are death. You need to stop repeating that. Start repeating life. Life-giving thoughts. Life-giving and how you go about life every single day. Some things are not worth repeating. So you need to know that. There are some things in life that are not worth that, but... If you want also a new outcome, you have to make a new decision, right? 
If you keep repeating drama, your reputation will be drama queen. (laughs) Men, we didn't forget about you, drama king, right? If you keep repeating gossip, don't be surprised when your reputation is gossip train. If you keep, I mean, come on now. Now, if you keep repeating substance abuse, don't be surprised if your reputation is addict. If you keep repeating fear, don't, don't be surprised if your reputation is coward. You know, persistent people, what they've done is they've learned the way to bother God, and it starts by gain coming from what I'm doing again and again and again and again and again. So some things are not worth repeating, but other things are worth repeating. Like repeating big prayers over and over again, uh, you know, because I want a reputation that why? That I'm a persistent man or woman of God. You know, praying big prayers, actually prayers that are more than just your life change. It's about changing the world, like big requests. I think sometimes that we should really have something written down maybe in our heart or in our life that such a big request it'd probably make other people laugh. But we're afraid to put it out there because they'll laugh. Hey, if it's a God dream, God ain't laughing. You know, like big request. So Kristen and I, last week we were, we were driving through town and her and I were talking, had a conversation And she turned around and pointed out the window, and she goes, God, give us that building in the name of Jesus for homeless women in this area. And I went, oh, my God. I mean, you ever felt like a lightning bolt hit you in Jesus' name? I was like, that's a big request, but you know what? I agreed with her and said in the name of Jesus. Some of you have people praying around you, and you're laughing at them. (laughs) Come on, when it's God dream, you can just agree in prayer in Jesus' name. It's going to happen. God, bring it into being. But I think we should have some things in our heart and our mind that we're dreaming about and we're praying about that probably make some other people just laugh. Amen? You ever someday pray a prayer and it's like a lightning bolt hit your spirit? to do that. So what in your life is worth repeating? Because repetition creates reputation. I want to repeat giving. The repetition of being generous. I want to repeat worship, a man in God's presence. And if you want gains, you have to do it again. Uh, Growing up, we had a Canadian pastor friend in our life, Pastor Ron Stevens from Canada. He came out of Toronto and pastored and we were living in the Midwest and I was just growing up. But have you ever heard a Canadian say again? What is it? Again. And when he was preaching, when he was talking, he said again, again, and again. And I'm like, that's not how you say it, man. But I found out that's how they say it in Canada, right? So That again. Here I am knocking again. And second, it's simply this. Persistent people understand that no is a part of the process. Acts of faith are a part of the process, a process of becoming like Jesus. 
that I can become saved and justified in one moment, but I'm sanctified daily as I walk with the Lord. That's a daily walk for me. How about you? To stay sanctified in my thinking and my thought process and what I do and what I don't do and what I go about, that I must die daily so that Christ can rise up within me, right? So that I can get to his promise. There's a promise in me, but I've got to walk through the promise in front of me to reach the promise. I've got to go through the process. So love the process and love the climb. One peak to the next peak, and in that climb and process, you're going to face a lot of no's. And quit being afraid of no. Quit stopping at no. Quit quitting at no. Keep going forward. Amen? Persistent people know that no is a part of the process. It's no today, but it doesn't mean it's no tomorrow. Are you with me? Right? It's no today, but it doesn't mean it's no tomorrow. All we know is this, is God's will will prevail. Right? So we don't get to control God's response. We just get to control our requests. What is your request? Have you stopped asking for that thing that God's promised you? Have you stopped drawing closer to God just because, wow, the years have gone by and man, and, and, and if I look at it and I look at persistence and I look at it in life and I think of, man, um, things that I'm praying for and believing that, um, that just so many of them have not come yet and I'm just still hanging on God's word and I'm still praying and I know that as I look into your eyes, there's people here as well that, how many of you in this room today, you, you're you've just been praying about something year after year and maybe decades that you haven't seen come about yet. But if you're just totally honest to God, you're still praying. Come on. You're still believing. You still have a reputation of repeating the prayers and going after trusting in God. As I look back in my life, I think, man, I don't know if I've prayed 27 years for something like my father did for his dad, where my dad prayed for it. And those of you that have been here any, any length of time, you've heard me tell this story, but it really is a story of persistence and perseverance and actually shameless audacity that my father prayed for his dad for 27 years to come to Christ. And my grandfather vehemently denied Jesus. God didn't want nothing to do with him. My grandfather was a hard man, hard man. So for 27 years, my dad set about praying prayers, faithful prayers, day after day, month after month, year after year for my grandfather to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it wasn't until my grandfather was getting ready to be operated on and he was in the hospital. My dad went to him and said, Dad, my father looked at me and said, Dad, you you know the truth. You know the truth. You know that God loves you. You know that he does. Your family loves you. And it was in that moment that my grandfather put out, my grandfather had a, my grandfather was an electrician. He had a nub. He reached out his hand to my dad, grabbed him. My dad prayed for him in that moment, and my grandfather accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And three days later on the operating table, my grandfather passed away. You have no idea what you're praying right now. No idea. 
but it's in your persistence. The body of Christ has got to have shameless audacity in these days, shameless, shameless audacity, persistence in your life to say, I'm not giving up on this, God, because you promised me a miracle. You promised me, you promised me, you promised me, you promised me, God, and I am not going to give up. Listen, God's not bothered by you. He's blessed because you're asking him. See, God's job is to perform the miracle. My job is to persist and prepare for the miracle to come about. I, I've learned this, maybe like you, that I, when I've showed persistence in one area, ultimately it will show me resistance in another area. How about you? Like when I'm persisting, persisting, and, and then God's like, mm, I want you to see this about you or about your request. And then he'll redirect me and show me the real thing that I really needed anyways. Thank God. Amen. That God really knows what we need, what we need. So he either will give you a miracle or he's going to change you, but both are valuable. Amen. So what today have you given up on because you heard a no? Listen, because if being trustworthy starts the miracle and worry wrecks the miracle, the miracle, it's persistence that produces miracle in Jesus name it's persistence I don't get to create it I don't get to control it you and I get to persist after it because we're hanging on a promise from the Lord and I know our minds and I know our thoughts can go around it hasn't happened before I rationalize all this stuff but when God says it will be done God's will will always prevail that's what I know I can't even figure all of it out. I'm not even called to figure it out. I'm just called to stay persistent like you. Amen.